Hello and welcome to the Biffy Performing Arts Weekly Podcast, where we cover a host of topics about surviving and coping in the industry. I'm your host and my name is Brian Walsh. This week's topic is burnout. I'm with Irish Actors' Equity and we have come together with the Bray Institute of Further Education to highlight the importance of health, safety and well-being when working within the industry that we are all involved in, the performing arts industry. This is the first of three podcasts in this series. So, we are all acutely aware of just how tricky working in this industry can be. And in today's podcast, I'm going to focus on burnout. So what is burnout? Burnout is a state of emotional, physical and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It occurs when you feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained and unable to meet constant demands. As the stress continues, you begin to lose the interest and motivation that led you to take on a certain role in the first place. And that's a direct quote from helpguide.org. For me, it can be a response to stress. And one thing that I've learned over the years is what makes me stressed is partly being a perfectionist. So let's tease that out just a little bit. One of the key things is to try and recognise and acknowledge what's the cause and then go about working on how to prevent it. So I will try to guide and direct and maybe help you test different strategies to put something in place to help you avoid or overcome getting burnt out. So one pitfall for me would definitely be perfectionism. Now, I have a friend who once upon a time asked me, he said, so Brian, you're a perfectionist. Can you tell me one thing that you're perfect at? And I have to be honest and say um, that I wasn't able to give him an answer. It's a good few years ago. So what is perfectionism? It's hard to put your finger on a definitive definition for perfectionism. Here is a direct quote from Beyond Ballet Why and Now website. One commonly used definition of perfectionism is that it comprises the setting of excessively high standards of performance in conjunction with the tendency to make overly critical self-evaluations. Burnout is hard to diagnose, but for me that boils down to maybe setting the bar a little too high for myself at times, or possibly taking on a little too much at times. And then if you don't manage to achieve that, it can lead to low self-esteem and then possibly even depression. So everything is so interconnected and interwoven. It's like a minefield. So burnout could stem from pressure because of performance or performance anxiety. And I have to say, I do think that both of these are pretty normal reactions. But what is important is to try to use these in as positive a way as possible. It's kind of like trying to turn a disadvantage into an advantage for yourself. So if you have performance anxiety on opening night, let's say, or any night, um, as you kind of would because it's almost like the fight or flight scenario, what I usually try to do is to reassure myself that first and foremost, I can do this. And you see, this is where the uh, tie-in would be with the motivational speakers or reading, you know, positive or motivational books. I also reassure myself that I've been rehearsing for weeks and that the movements and the lines are in there and just to trust and believe that it will all be okay. 
And another thing that's really important for me to have is a good support network. And strangely as well, it's the good support network that gets it in the neck whenever I get a little bit stressed or burnt out. They are my immediate family. And that's the way it goes. I get a bit stressed and then unfortunately I can sometimes take out my misdirected anger on my family that are around me all the time. So now that we know one of the root causes of burnout, how do we go about trying to minimise or cut it out altogether, if that's even possible? But I think, as you and I well know, it probably isn't possible, but we certainly can give it a good try. And there's a really good resource, Backstage.com, and they have come up with a list of items as suggestions to help you to uh, take your mind off things and just go and relax. I'm going to uh, list these from the from the website. And your list could include things like to listen to your favourite song, to turn the lights off and dance, focus on breathing, make a cup of tea, read a passage from your favourite book, take a stroll by the water, walk through the park, journal, draw, paint, colour, cook or bake, meditate, do yoga, or just go upside down for a bit. Now, I bet even just listening to that list has brought a certain amount of calm and maybe even tranquility into your mind as you sit there and listen. Imagine what could happen if you tried some of those things on a daily basis. And there are also some myths to dispel as well, and I'm now quoting from the Dance UK Burnout in Dance PDF. The concepts... Better dancing comes from more classes, or no pain, no gain, may not always be true, as there is normally no gain to be made by working through fatigue, illness or injury. So that's some really good advice there, because we're better off to listen to and to trust our body. Because we are all in this industry, because we love it so much, we are so passionate about it. And therefore, we need to try and protect ourselves and just nurture ourselves as best as possible to prevent burnout and keep our mind, body and soul in as good a condition as possible. So on a daily basis, it is important to try and improve motivation. And that might be listening to a motivational speaker on YouTube or reading a motivational book. And it's also really important to keep an eye on your work-life balance. And from time to time, it's also really important to do something outside of work, be that going for a walk, enjoying the beautiful scenery, or just meeting up with good friends for a chat. And it's equally as important to set some realistic targets for yourself, and also some self-care. And this would be some rest, relaxation, and even professional support if needed. And that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Do please join me again next week when I'll be talking about nutrition in the performing arts industry. Hello and welcome to the Biffy Performing Arts Weekly Podcast, where we cover a host of topics about surviving and coping in the industry. I'm your host and my name is Brian Walsh. This week's topic is nutrition. So just how important is nutrition in the life of an actor or a performer? It is absolutely crucial because what we've been talking about in these podcasts, they are all interconnected. Burnout, nutrition 
And next week's podcast is on health, safety and well-being. You really need to strive for balance in all of them. So if you're not looking after your body nutritionally, your body is definitely going to suffer both physically and mentally. Then you not only leave your professional life open to difficulties and problems along the way, this could then spread out into your personal life as well. And then who knows where all that could end up. In extreme circumstances, it could end up with the loss of work and possibly even a breakdown. And nobody wants that. So let's then look at a definition for nutrition. And this is from the Britannica website. So it says food, which is nutrition, substance consisting essentially of protein, carbohydrate, fat, and other nutrients used in the body of an organism to sustain growth and vital processes and to furnish energy. The absorption and utilization of food by the body is fundamental to nutrition and is facilitated by digestion. And it's also worth noting as well, given the current world pandemic with COVID-19, and I'm quoting from the World Health Organization website, and it reads, Nutrition and food safety in COVID-19, a robust and diverse food supply, is an essential part of the health and nutrition response to COVID-19, who, together with partners, is providing nutrition and food safety guidance and advice during the COVID-19 pandemic for governments, food businesses, health workers, and the general public to maintain good health and prevent malnutrition in all its forms. And the website is updated regularly. So the WHO website is a good resource to keep an eye on because they want to ensure during the current worldwide pandemic that the food supply chain remains safe and secure because it's crucial, it's really, really important to us actors and performers. Now, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Why? Because when you wake up in the morning, your body has actually been fasting overnight. So what you need to do is you need to put some fuel back into your body to make sure that everything has the power and the energy to get going again. And it's also really important for the nervous system in the body too. So by missing breakfast, straight away, your body and mind is at a huge loss. And then as a direct result of missing breakfast, you might be tempted to start snacking during the day and your body physically and emotionally is at a huge loss. So that is why it's really important to have a pretty good food plan during the week. And the reason for making a food plan is that it does, it saves time. It can reduce stress because you know what you're going to do. And then you don't get caught out by not having particular food types in that you want to eat. And then it can help prevent snacking or going on uh, sugary foods or that. So for breakfast, what I like to do most mornings during the week is have porridge because porridge is a slow energy release. And I also have a little bit of granola in there as well. And then that'll keep me going until usually around 11 o'clock where I'll tuck into a little bit of fruit because uh, I don't want to have too much because I don't want to be too full or bloated during rehearsals and dance classes in the morning. Then a light lunch, which might consist of a soup, a salad or a sandwich. And then during the afternoon, possibly uh, some more fresh fruit, maybe a banana to sustain me and keep me going until dinner time. And at that stage, dinner is usually between half five and seven o'clock. I am really, really looking forward to my dinner, which can consist of possibly um, 
corn, which is a meat substitute, or it might be some fish with some pasta, rice or potatoes and some vegetables as well. Now, in class, we did some collaborative work amongst the students where we just asked people to come up with uh, tips on healthy eating, things to be careful for and meal or snack suggestions. So, by and large, uh, it was a very interesting exercise. One of the key things that did come out of all of this, and it's something that can easily be forgotten about, and that is to keep hydrated. You need water, water, water. So you should always have a bottle or two of water with you just to keep hydrated. And then setting out um, a plan for tips for performing artists. It ranged from uh, smoked salmon, cream cheese, avocado, porridge then for breakfast, also coupled with some carbohydrates and some protein. And things to be very careful of was not to overeat and to eat the correct amount of food for your body. And also to try not to undereat because then you'd be under nourishing your body, which brings with it its own set of problems, and I will go into a little bit more detail later in this podcast. And handy suggestions to snack on as well, everything in moderation, brown bagel, banana, fruit in general, yogurt, cherry tomato, water and crisps in moderation, and you can find out more information about five smart actor snacks at stagemilk.com. It's a really good resource. And now just to compare the food pyramid, which is available from hse.ie. And it's the Food Pyramid Professional Version PDF, available in our class notes. And here are the recommended servings from the Food Pyramid. There's five to seven servings a day suggested for vegetable, salad and fruit. Three to five servings per day, wholemeal cereal, bread, potato, pasta, rice and milk, yogurt and cheese. Three servings a day and then two servings per day of meat, poultry, fish, eggs, beans and nuts. So we really didn't do too badly at all and everything is actually okay in moderation. So you don't have to avoid foods that you like. You just need to be careful and moderate them. Equally, if you decide that you're going to go on a very, very strict regime of dietary nutrition, it's not going to be sustainable because you're going to try and force yourself not to eat some stuff that you like and then to force yourself to maybe eat stuff that you're not terribly gone about. You can't live on just salad every day of the week. So if you fancy various types of food, shake it up a little bit equally. You can't be having takeaways every night of the week. If you decide for yourself you're going to have it maybe once a week, once every two weeks, that's absolutely fine. But there's got to be some enjoyment in your eating and there are things you're going to need to look forward to as well. Otherwise, it's just not going to be sustainable because we do need to nourish our bodies both physically and mentally for positive mental health. And finally, try not to overeat, but equally try not to undereat, because if you overeat, you're leaving yourself susceptible to being sluggish and not being able to perform. Equally, if you decide to undereat or maybe potentially try to starve yourself, then you are most definitely not going to be able to perform because your body is not going to have the fuel it needs to do what it needs to do, both physically and mentally. And that would also include injury prevention. So you actually leave yourself open as well to a potential injury risk. And another scenario that could potentially leave you open to uh, a potential injury risk would be if you were suffering from burnout and then you just were not able to nourish your body. You were not able to eat food. You just lost your appetite. 
the best and most positive thing to do for yourself in a situation like that is to bring it to the attention of your producer or your director, or if you're a dancer, your choreographer, because you need to talk to them and explain to them what's going on for you at that time. And then they will be able to offer you help and support and point you in the right direction. We all have a duty of care to each other, so us as the performer within the industry, we have a duty of care to bring this to the attention of who we need to point it out to. Then corrective action can be taken, otherwise we put ourselves and our fellow performers at risk. Equally, if you're at a venue or practice area or a work environment that you just do not feel is up to par. I actually remember being at a venue once performing for a week and the water fountain was empty for three consecutive days. I had to bring it to the attention of the stage manager, who then in turn mentioned it to the venue and eventually the water was replenished. We need water to keep hydrated. And if you yourself didn't feel confident enough to bring it to the stage manager or maybe your producer or director, perhaps you could consider bringing it via your agent and then they could relay the information on your behalf to the producer or director. And that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening and please do join me again next week for the final podcast in this series where I will be talking about health, safety and well-being within the performing arts industry. Hello and welcome to the Biffy Performing Arts Weekly Podcast, where we cover a host of topics about surviving and coping in the industry. I'm your host and my name is Brian Walsh. This week's podcast is on health, safety and well-being. Earlier I've already covered burnout and nutrition, and these topics are all interconnected because as actors and performers, you need to keep an eye on burnout, you need to keep an eye on your nutrition and health and safety because they are all important to your physical and mental well-being. And during this podcast, I will describe the importance of health and safety and well-being when working within the performing arts, and I'll also explain the roles and responsibilities within the performing arts industry. So when you mention health and safety in the performing arts industry, what would be the first thing that would spring to mind? It could be something like falling off the stage or the risk of a lighting rig falling on top of you. But there is more. Take, for example, the effect on the industry that Me Too has had. And what about bullying and harassment? And also in the current day, COVID-19. All of these too can have an impact on health, safety and well-being. Let's try and define health, safety and well-being. There is legislation where you can find out more details online at hsa.ie. But in brief, the Safety, Health and Welfare at Work Act 2005 clarifies and enhances the responsibility of employers, the self-employed employees and various other parties in relation to safety and health at work. The Act also details the role and functions of the Health and Safety Authority, provides for a range of enforcement measures that may be applied and specifies penalties that may be applied for breach of occupational safety and health. And now to define mental well-being. Mental well-being is having the capacity to live a full and creative life and having the flexibility to deal with life's ups and downs. It's all about resilience. It involves our thoughts and our feelings. It requires an awareness of our feelings and our emotions, as well as the feelings of others. It also includes the capacity to manage feelings and related behaviours. 
this awareness helps us to have satisfying relationships and to cope with stress. Now, first, I'd like to give you details of a report that was done in 1998 pertaining to the performing arts industry. And I'll detail two physical risks, one for dancers and one for actors. It's a study on occupational risks in the performing arts, an exploratory study from the IRSST in Quebec. And you can check out their website, www.irsst.qc.ca. And the study showed that dancers are five times more likely to get repetitive injuries, not accidental, in back and lower limbs, which are similar to injuries sustained by sports professionals, mainly sprains and muscle injuries. So how can dancers put in preventative measures to try and combat this? Or what can be put in place to try and help prevent these repetitive injuries? The best thing to do would be discuss it with your choreographer and come up with a plan to make sure you have adequate rest, that you are getting the proper nutrition that you need and that you are not burning out. Actors can also be subjected to injuries of their ears, believe it or not. And this would be because of loud noises. And this is something that I remember myself because uh, I'm always protective about my ears. So believe it or not, if your ears are subjected to 120 decibels plus for a mere three to four seconds, you have permanent hearing damage. And just to give you an idea of how loud 120 decibels might be, if you are standing close to or near a siren. So if you're on stage performing and there are loud noises or bangs, you could be subject to permanent ear damage. So how would you combat that or what would you put in place to try and uh, prevent permanent hearing damage happening? The best thing to do would be consult with the stage manager as it is the stage manager's responsibility to know if there are going to be any loud noises happening in the performance. And then if you found out that there were, you could wear ear protection. Small little earplugs that you can squish and put into your ear just to get you over the noisy bit. And you will still be able to hear. It's not going to make you completely deaf. But it will certainly dumb down and tone down the noises. And then when that element is over, you can go back, take them out and carry on with your performance. Now, there was another frightening report on the stage.com on their website. And I will quote some of this. It's from August 2020. And the headline reads... Actors vulnerable to casting abuse during pandemic equity warns. And one paragraph from the article reads, Equity is warning its members that they may be more vulnerable to exploitation during the crisis, advising them to inform the union of any safety concerns, particularly where it involves a request to create a sexually explicit self-tape. And Irish Actors' Equity on their website as well have a very comprehensive guide to auditioning. So that's something worth looking up as well. All designed to help with health, safety and your well-being, both physically and mentally. Back in October 2017, the Me Too movement brought what was going on in the industry for decades out into the open. And on the MediaWatch.com website, they have a report back from October 2018 saying how real change has come to many workplaces thanks to Me Too. 
Today, bullying, harassment and sexual harassment will no longer be tolerated within the industry with thanks to Me Too. And as a result, many organisations have come out with audition guidelines and safety practices. There are also health and safety guidelines available for live performance theatre. And I will be quoting from the Health and Safety Guide for Live Performance Theatre PDF in our class notes. There are a list of requirements for live performance theatre. And I'm quoting from the document. They include a health and safety programme, safety inspections, safe work procedures, first aid, hazardous materials, investigating accidents and incidents, records and statistics. And each company will need to have a health and safety statement. I'll take a look at the Druids Health and Safety Statement from 2017 and I'll go through some of the roles and responsibilities as detailed in that document. Druid perform at their own venue and around the world and they recognise the company's responsibility under the current Health, Safety and Welfare at Work Act 2005 and related legislation for all those working for the company. The policy will be revised at least every two years or more frequently if work practices change. And as this document is from July 2017, it would have changed in respect of the Me Too movement and also in respect of the current pandemic that we're living in, COVID-19. Each member of staff gets a copy of the policy and copies of the policy document are available from the Head of Operations and Development as that is their role and responsibility. Roles and responsibilities of their stage manager to ensure that all performers involved in workshop, technical, rehearsal and performance work have the necessary information training to carry out manual handling safety, to act as fire officer and the appointed person for first aid in the rehearsal room and backstage and to organise cover when absent, to ensure first aid boxes are available in the rehearsal and backstage rooms and to ensure that the productions comply with the regulations regarding licensing requirements on the use of children and animals. The production manager's role and responsibility to produce, display and maintain safety notices and safe systems of working for all relevant tools and processes. To research and purchase personal protective equipment as needed, where possible to avoid the use of harmful substances. To be aware of safe limits on noise levels and provide any necessary checks on work processes and personal protective equipment if needed. To ensure that staff members are not put at risk from hazards when working elsewhere, for example on tour. To ensure that productions comply with the regulations regarding fireproofing, the use of firearms, special effects, e.g. laser and strobe. To give any freelancers, casual, etc., the necessary information on health and safety matters, in particular about substances, plant and equipment which they may come into contact with. To supervise and where necessary train any other workers, including work placements etc. as necessary on health and safety issues. And over the last three years, the policies have changed in Ireland and also across the globe in relation to harassment, abuse and bullying across the performing arts industry as a direct result of the Me Too organisation. In March 2018, Deirdre Falvey wrote an article for the Irish Times giving details of the Me Too and Time's Up campaigns and how the Irish theatre sector was coming together to start a process where people from across the sector gathered to identify ways to initiate culture change in behaviour. They set up an event establishing a code of behaviour for Irish theatre. It was a day-long event at Liberty Hall, 
hosted by the Irish Theatre Institute with support from the Department of Culture. They drew up a draft code for Dignity in the Workplace, a new guidebook. It was designed to speak to the larger organisations and to smaller individual organisations, all framed in the context of employer law, detailing three key areas, behaviours around bullying, harassment and sexual harassment. A positive step for the performing arts in Ireland, all designed to increase awareness and to help with health, safety and well-being in the workplace. So that concludes the three podcast series, Burnout, Nutrition, Health, Safety and Wellbeing. I do hope you enjoyed and thank you so much for listening.